we thank you today for the precious, precious Word of God. You said that, Lord, if we delight ourselves in you, that you would give us the desires of our heart. And we long for you, we thirst for you in a dry and thirsty land, Father. We ask you, Lord, to fill us up. We dedicate this first service and this new year to you, Father. And we say, your kingdom come, your will be done in this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that destruction and famine, you shall laugh. Amen. The Lord wants us to start responding differently than we have in the new year Instead of the devil make, pushing our button and making us cry and making us sad, making us upset, we're going to turn the tables on them. Amen? And start rejoicing. Praise God. I heard uh, Terry Seville Foy, that's Jerry Seville's daughter, made a statement last, last week on her Twitter that I got them connected with their ministry. And she made a statement that really got my attention. She says, uh, she said, Thanksgiving is thanking God for what He has. Gratitude is thanking God for what He has done. Amen? But he says, she said, praise is thanking God for what, he ha what we haven't seen yet. Giving thanks to God, giving praise to God for what He has yet to do for you. Amen? I mean, even though it takes more faith to praise God before you see something than it does this after the fact. Right? Anybody can say, oh, thank you, Lord, for what you did. And we should be gracious and full of gratitude. But you know what? I believe that the strong men and women of faith, or this year especially, are giving thanks to God before your eyes see it, before your ears hear it, before your five physical senses perceive it, because that's what true faith is, is to give God thanks and praise. Now, we're going to start a brand new series today. And I want to ask a couple of questions before we put it up on the screen here, what we're going to talk about. And I want to ask you this question, what, what do these people have in common throughout the Bible? There's a lot of different things here, but for example, Noah, you know about Noah, you know about Abraham, you know about Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Esther, just to name a few. These are Old Testament people. Then you come over to the New Testament, and I just, I just this is, there's just not an exhaustive list, but these are just some men and women that came to my, my attention here. Blind Bartimaeus, the Syrophoenician woman, the woman with the issue of blood, the man that was born of four through the roof. Remember, they were lowered him through the roof. Remember that? The centurion's servant, Jairus' daughter, Zacchaeus, Peter, James, John, Paul, and then finally Jesus. If you look at all these Old Testament people, New Testament people, there is one common thread that you're going to see throughout these people. Amen? And you know what that is? Because these are people that we read about. These are real people that accomplished huge victories by trusting the Lord. And you know what it really comes down to? Their persistence and determination. Their persistence and determination. We're going to talk about in this new series, it's called Determined. Amen? Say determined. In order to win in any area of life, you have to be determined. Now, every one of these people that I just mentioned here, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they had obstacles to deal with. Right? They had obstacles. That slide is spelled wrong, so forgive that. It's, there's another slide that has the right spelling on it, okay? <laughs> Receiving a spelt wrong there, okay? My graphic guy did it wrong, but he sent the new one. Did you get the new one? Okay. And, uh, but I see something that the Lord been dealing with my heart. Actually, Brother Dan was ministering in healing school a couple of weeks ago. That was, what, two or three weeks ago, and he was ministering. And as he was ministering, the Spirit of God just did something in my heart. And, uh, and he was talking about there's a, a common thread, I think the word he used, through the, the people that receive from the Lord. Amen? And, you know, like the woman with the issue of blood, for example, you know, that didn't come easily to her. 
she had to seek out. She had to seek. Amen. And the Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened. Amen. Seek and find. Hallelujah. And the common thing that you're going to find, that we're going to look into these different accounts here in the Bible, because we want to be able to receive. See, this is the key to receiving from God. I believe one of the biggest keys to receiving from God, whether it's for your body, for your finances, for you personally, whatever it is, is to be absolutely determined that you are going to receive. Now, I heard a story. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it's kind of like a, an allegory, an illustration. And this, the, this young man was out on a boat with his grandfather one day, and his grandfather was really successful. I heard Oral Roberts talk. That's the first time I heard it. And, uh, and he, he admired his granddad so much. He was very successful, a godly man, you know. And he, his, his, his grandson said, Grandpa, he goes, what's the key to your success? I want to be a success like you when I grow up, you know. And he looked at his grandson. He said, do you really want to be a success? He says, yeah, yeah, I really want to be a success. They're out on a boat, on a canoe, out in the middle of this lake. He grabs his grandson, puts his head under the water, and then brings him back up again. <laughs> he has a look of shock on his face, you know. So he takes his grandson again, puts him under the water, a little bit longer this time. Did like three times, and he came up gasping for air. He said, Grandpa, what are you doing? He says, well, son, you wanted to know how to be a success? He said, when you want success as bad as you wanted that breath of air, you will be a success. Amen? And I'll never forget that because success does not fall on lazy people, on slothful people. Okay? Now, all of us, all of us have had to deal with areas of our life that's slothful, lazy. How many of you know that? All of us have. Okay, we want to talk about those this morning. But there's, t- there's times that we're more diligent in some areas than we are in other areas. And, uh, but the Bible has a lot to say about diligence. You know, you look through the book of Proverbs, you, there's a lot to say about diligence, you know. And, and it's, diligence means a consistent way of doing things, praise God. Anything that's going to profit you in this life, in order for it to profit you, you have to be consistent with it, diligent with it. Okay, make it a daily routine, a daily habit. Okay, and that would be like anything from exercise to, you know, putting the right information in your eyes and your ears. Okay, and uh, when you're diligent to put the right type of information in you, it's going to profit you tremendously. Okay, now I looked up the word determined here. Now I'm just laying a foundation here. We're going to get into the meat of this here today. All right, going to have some fun here today. The word determined in some synonyms for being determined means to be intent on, bent on, set on, insistent on, resolved to, firm about, and committed to. Here's some other synonyms for determined. Resolute, purposeful, positive, single-minded, unswerving, unwavering, undaunted, intent, insistent. Okay, so if, if we're going to be determined, we have to be intent. We have to be bent on, set on. In other words, we have to make our mind up, we're going for this thing. Amen. Uh, every one of these people that I met, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Jacob, you know, and, and, and all the different people that I mentioned, they had, every one of them had obstacles when it came to receiving. How many of you here have ever had obstacles in your life? Some type of an obstacle. Some people say, my life seems like an obstacle course. <laughs> now, if it was easy, everybody would obtain to it, right? Hallelujah. But Christianity is not for the faint-hearted. I can tell you that. Christianity is not for the faint-hearted. We have to have a backbone, praise the Lord. Brother H- Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father, used to say this. He said, God wants you to have a spiritual backbone like a crowbar, not a jellyfish. Anybody ever heard him say that before? He wants you to have a backbone of a crowbar, not a jellyfish. In other words, when adversity comes against you, do you crumble and fall? Okay? In fact, there's a scripture, I believe, in Proverbs that says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is but small. So adversity is going to be there. That's going to be part of the territory. You're going to have 
things that are going to come against you to make it seem like this stuff doesn't work. It makes the word doesn't work. It's going to have symptoms like it's not working for you. It might work for somebody else, but it's not going to work for you. But I've seen something here recently about we have to become determined to receive from God. Amen. Dave said, David said it like this in the Bible. He says, I would have fainted. Do you ever feel like fainting before, giving up before? He said, I would have fainted unless I would have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he says, I felt like quitting. I felt like giving up. I'm paraphrasing. I felt like caving in. I felt like staying in bed. He said, but I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, some of you, you're, you're all, obviously you're here this morning. Maybe you pressed through some adversity this week, but you still showed up. You made it. There's a special blessing for you that showed up today. Amen? Why? Because you pressed through certain things to get here. Maybe you had some real obstacles this morning like, ah, just stay home today. The devil's always going to say that. Just stay home today. You don't need to go to church. Well, what if we treated work like that? I don't feel like going to work today. You're not going to last there very long, right? Church is more important than your job. How many of you know that? It's way more important than your job because your church life will affect every area of your life. How many of you know that? Oh, yeah, it will. But there is one thing consistent about all these people here is that they were determined to receive. When adversity came against them, they didn't give up. They didn't quit. Now, let's go to a... a, an illustration in the New Testament. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. And let's look at this account here. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and start. We'll look at verse 46. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Are you ready? It says, And they came to Jericho, and there went went out of Jericho with his disciples a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the waist, uh, by the highway side begging. Now, you, you see the picture there? Here's Bartimaeus. He's a blind beggar, okay? And he's sitting by the, the roadside begging, okay? Terrible situation. Verse 47. But when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, now, he, he couldn't see, but he could hear. <laughs> and when he, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. Notice what he cried out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Now, that's nice. The King James is nice. They charged him to hold his peace. You know what he would say? They told him to shut up. Amen? They said, shut up. Now, they're not in his situation. They can see. They can hear. They're saying, ah, shut up. Be quiet. All right? But see, Bartimaeus was a blind person. He wanted, he was thirsty, he was hungry, and you know what? He was determined that he was going to receive. Now, he had, immediately had some obstacles. He had people saying things to him. So, you're going to have people say things to you that are derogatory. Shut up. You don't know what you're doing. Okay? He said this, and he charged many, verse 40, and many charged him, that's Bartimaeus, that he should hold his peace. But notice this. He cried, the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody say determined. Bartimaeus got more determined when adversity came against him through other people. Okay? They were, the people spoke up because, I mean, he, he said, Jesus! He said it loud enough they could all hear me. He said, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. And they just said, ah, oh, shut up. Don't bother him, you know. It's no different today. There are people like that today. Verse 48 again, it says, Many charged that he should hold his peace, and he cried all the more a great deal. Thou, son of David, have mercy on me. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stood still. Can we say that together? And Jesus stood still. If Bartimaeus had remained quiet, Jesus wouldn't have stood still. 
Now that meant that he was walking. Jesus is coming through town, okay? And he at least knew that because he, he could hear. People were excited about Jesus, you know? And he cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy upon me. And they, the first response was, shut up, be quiet, don't say anything, you know? He got all the more louder. So he became determined, okay? So now see, there's always going to be obstacles when it comes to receiving. Amen? And sometimes it can even come through quote, Christian people. That said, you know, that faith stuff, that's too radical. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, that stuff doesn't work. What are you talking about, you know? You have to tell them in, in, in one respect, say, shut up, I believe God. Amen? Everybody say fake news. <laughs> we hear a lot about fake news, okay? Well, there's a lot of, that's been going on for thousands of years, all right? Now it says, Verse 49, after, he, after Bartimaeus did this a second time, and Jesus stood still. Hmm. It brought Jesus to a screeching halt. All right. And he commanded him that he should be called. And they, they called the blind man, saying unto him, This is the people, Be of good comfort, rise, for he calleth thee. Now they changed their song and dance real quick, huh? The same people are saying, Shut up, don't trouble them, be quiet, you know. And then when Jesus stops and says, bring them to me, they're like, oh, the master says, come. <laughs> what about it? These are hypocrites here, aren't they? <laughs> Something to think about, isn't it? He's, they said, be of good comfort, rise, for he calleth thee. They got real religious right then, okay? They didn't really care about him. And uh, notice in verse 50, And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now let's stop for a minute in verse 50 and talk about this. He cast away his garment. This is, symbol this is significant because beggars in the day of Jesus had a garment that they wore that was like a uniform that says, I am a beggar. Now he hadn't received this sight yet. But he's calling things that be not as though they were. He threw his garment aside. He didn't have to throw it aside. You know, a lot of people have those garments and they're proud of them. They walk around and say, I have this disease and I have that disease. And they're almost proud of it. Amen? Because, you know, let's, let's just face the fact. There are some people that they really don't want delivered. I don't believe there's anybody in our church like that. But there are some, I've come across through the years, people that, really don't want healed because they get sympathy and sorrow from other people. They'd rather have that than to be healed. That's a sad thing, isn't it? But you know, the first thing that Bartimaeus did, he wasn't even healed yet. He threw that beggar's garment. He said, I'm getting rid of this thing. You know, And sometimes we've got to take off some old garments. We've got to throw up some old tags and labels that are over us, you know what I mean? That, that people put labels and tags on you. I'll tell you, don't let any person put a label or a tag on you that doesn't line up with Amen. God's Word. Yes. Amen? Yes. Now, it's okay to put a label on someone that God already says about you. Okay? Now, it's, it's totally scriptural to say what God says about you. It's not, that's not pride. That's, that's humility. It's when God says, for example, that you are the righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not wrong for you to say, okay, because of His blood, I have been made righteous. Now some people look at that as egotistical and say, who do you think you are? Well, I'll tell you who I think I am. I am what God says I am. Amen? And so, say this after me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now that means you have right standing with God. Right standing with God. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto our prayers. That means God hears me, God sees me when I pray, whether I feel like it or not. Some of the, some of the prayers I've had answered that came to me came when I had absolutely zero feelings attached to it. It was just, I just did it by faith. I mean, there was no goosebumps. I'm telling you, there was no rush up my spine. There was no natural. But just standing out on the Word of God and say, I decree and I declare the Word of God. And the Word of God is working. It's an unseen connection. How many of you are familiar with Wi-Fi? 
You know what Wi-Fi is? It's an unseen connection. Amen? But you're able to receive from it. Okay? I'm connected to it right now in this hotel. Now, I can't see it, but it works. And there's a power that's available. The power of God cannot necessarily be seen with the eyes, but I'll tell you what, you can receive from the power of God without seeing anything. Amen? Now, notice that he, in verse 50, he cast away his garment, rose, and came to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, he's still blind. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now, do you think Jesus knew he was blind? Of course he did. He knew he was blind. I mean, just look in the fellow's eyes, you can see. A blind person, their eyes are just not normal. Okay? But he still was asking him a question. What do you want me to do for you? And I believe the Lord, people say, well, the Lord knows what I need. Yes, he does. He knows everything that we need. But he still wants you to tell him what you want and what you need. Hallelujah. And it's not for his sake because he doesn't know. He knows everything. But it's for our sake to say, you know what? I'm going to draw the line in the sand and I'm going to receive. I'm going to be, de- I'm going to be determined. I'm going to receive. The times that I've received anything from God in my life, to be honest with you, came when I was determined. In other words, I grit my teeth. I said, I'm digging in. I'm going to receive. Bless the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to get my confession of the Word of God going. I'm going to dig my faith in it. I'm going to stand. Hallelujah. It was in those times that I received everything that I have from God to this day. And it didn't come when I was passive because I've been there, <laughs> you know. And the passive do not receive. It's the aggressive ones that say, hey, I'm going to receive. I'm going to press in. Okay. Now, of course, this, this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, you know, he had all kind of obstacles. I don't know how long he was blind, but he was blind. He could not see. But notice it says, Jesus said, answer said in verse 51, he says, what do you want me to do for thee? He says, the blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, your faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus in the way. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, what if he had a different mindset? What if Bartimaeus would have said, you know, uh, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to speak up. I don't want to make a fool of myself out here in public, you know. And what if he would have felt like that? Then he would have been, his faith would have been crippled. He would have been hindered majorly because of the fear of man. The fear of man, the Bible says, is a snare. It's a trap. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be made safe. Amen? I put my trust in the Lord, I'm made safe. Praise God. The safest place you can be in this life is when you put your trust in the Lord. You put your 100% trust in God, not in the natural. You put your trust in God Almighty. He's going to take care of you in every way, shape, and form. That's the safest place you can be. Now, your mind will tell you otherwise, but I'll tell you what. When you wake up in the morning, you say, Oh, Father, I trust you today. I trust you with this. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my job. The list goes on. You know what I'm saying? And you verbally say that, then you are putting your trust in the Lord for everything that you need. He will take care of you. Now, Bartimaeus is just one example among many right here that had obstacles, that had stuff in the natural that tried to hold him back, but he became all the more determined to receive, even though there was people saying, shut up, be quiet, don't bother the master. Okay? And there are people, those descendants or those people are still here today, the the naysayers that say, you can't do this. It's not going to work for you. How many find that? That's true. There's major denominations that say this stuff doesn't work, you know. But I'll tell you what, when their back's up against the wall and they need God to come through, they don't know how to do it. Amen. They do not know how to do it. They're stuck. They're in a rut. Praise God. Having, being in a position to hear faith-filled teaching from the Word of God, you know, I believe what I preach. I do. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't preach it. If it don't work for me, 
why would I preach it? But it does work for me. Amen? It's too late for someone to come along and say, you know that tongue stuff, that's all the devil, it's been done away with, you know? I said, you're too late. I got filled with the Holy Ghost back in the 70s, and I've been speaking with tongues ever since. Glory be to God. And I'll continue that, praise the Lord. So you're too late. You get some preacher to come and say, ah, that's not for today. Tongues are not for today. Uh, I'm sorry, but I received it. Someone comes along and says, all oh, that healing stuff, that's been done away with. You know, the last apostle died. They want the healing with it. No more miracles. Well, uh, I'm sorry, but I've been healed too many times. Su supernaturally receive healing and health in my body. Praise the Lord. Uh, I mean, miracles, miracles taking place in my physical body. From the natural, I was almost taken out twice. You know the story. If you've been around long enough, I shouldn't, the natural, I shouldn't even be here. Okay? But I's a here. No, that's bad English. But I'm here. And I will stay here. And I will complete my course. And I will run my race. And I will do it with joy. Hallelujah. And so will you. Amen? So what if there's a little adversity here and there? So what? So what? But when the reward comes, and when the thing comes through that you're trusting the Lord for, oh, it'll be worth every second of you putting your, digging your, your stake in your ground, so to speak, and digging your heels in and say, no, I'm, I'm going to receive. Amen? You know, it's really important when we're in church especially that we're more conscious of God's presence than we are the natural people sitting around us. Sometimes in church like this, you know, any church, people can become uh, focused on the natural, what someone's wearing, what their hair looks like. The natural, the natural, the natural, you know. Don't get so focused on the natural. Get focused on the Holy Ghost. What is He saying? What's He saying right now in this room? Amen? You know, as a pastor, I have to do that regardless of how many people are here. And you know, sometimes when it's like these kinds of days where the weather's bad, there's a natural side to it that tries to lie to my head while I'm up here. But you know what? I have to push through that. We can all do that, can't we? We can have the best service we ever had here. It doesn't matter how many people are here. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how many people are here. We don't have to let that cripple us. We can go on whole hog and just receive from the Lord today. Amen? Thank you, Lord. They'll be back next week when it's 50 degrees. Amen? Now, I'm not criticizing people. You understand what I'm saying. I'm just talking about obstacles. Sometimes you have to press through obstacles when it feels like it's not working. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, blind Bartimaeus, I wanted to see that he had obstacles. Sure, that's par for the course. But he pressed through that, and guess what? He got his sight back. Now, I, I, I can just imagine that must be pretty exciting. If you're a blind person and you can't see, and you, you, your, your livelihood is begging for money, that's another curse right there. You know what I'm saying? But he got his sight restored because he was persistent. Now, maybe there were other blind people there that didn't press through. There, maybe there was. Let's look at one other example here today. Go to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. In Luke, chapter 5, So our topic is being determined, determination, being determined, praise the Lord. Anytime we've, uh, for example, the Bible says the devil comes to steal the word that was sown in people's hearts. He comes immediately to try to take away the word, you know what I'm saying, and uh, when my wife and I, we've endeavored to go to different meetings, to sit under anointings and sit under different ministries that the Lord's leading us to, you know. There probably hasn't been a time ever where there wasn't obstacles for us to go to those meetings. More often than not. The money wasn't there, you, could, you can't do it, or this wasn't there, you know, it just wasn't convenient, you know. And I'll tell you, there have been so many times we've had to just press through adversity and press through these things to get under that anointing, to get under that word. And I'll tell you what, I'm so thankful that we've done that through the years. 
Now, I'm not saying we've reached that 100% all the time, but I'll tell you, we've, we've done our best to say, you know what, we're, because there's God, God hooks you up with different ministries, right? And that, that, that anointing flows through them onto us, which flows onto the people of God. Amen? It's, it's, that's the how it works. Just like the anointing ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, down his beard, all the way down through the body. And so that's the way the anointing works. It starts with the head and it comes down. Praise God. Does that make sense? Now, in, in Luke chapter 5, we see something here. Another account here about somebody that had to be determined. And it came to pass, verse 17, on a certain day that he was that, that as he was teaching, that's Jesus, there, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law which were come out of every town of Galilee and of Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Do you notice that phrase, the power of the Lord was present to heal them? Hmm. But no one's being healed right here. The power of the Lord is always present to heal. In this case here, this is Jesus. I believe this is his house. He's in the house, his house. Okay, Jesus had a house. Amen. He wasn't homeless. <laughs> he wasn't sleeping on our park bench somewhere. Yeah, under a bridge. <laughs> Amen. But it says that... Uh, The power of the Lord was present, verse 17, the power of the Lord was present to heal. And uh, it says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man that was taken with palsy. In other words, he was crippled. And they sought means, notice that phrase, they sought means to bring him in and they laid him to lay him before him, before Jesus. And when they could not find a way by, to might bring him in because of the multitude, now let's just stop and analyze this for a second here before we read the rest of this. Here's Jesus in his house having a healing meeting. The power of the Lord is present to heal. There's doctors, Pharisees of the law, all these different people here. And uh, this says the power of the Lord was present to heal, but nothing is happening at this point. Okay? When these people showed up, and now this crippled man, obviously he had four crazy friends. I like that, that just believed God. And they got to the meeting, except they got there a little bit late because the meeting had already started. And the house was so jam-cram-packed with people that they couldn't, there was no way they could get through the door, through the window to get into the house to get him to Jesus so that he could be healed. Everybody say obstacles. All right, here's another obstacle. It's too crowded down there. There's too much traffic. It takes too long to drive there. Are you with me now? They sought means. It says they sought means. Verse 19, when they could not find a way by the, uh, because of the uh, multitude, they went up onto the housetop and they let him down through the tiling which, with his couch in the midst before Jesus. Now, let's stop and think about this. They stopped. They had adversity that said, first of all, it's too crowded. You can't get in there. Reason would say, let's turn around and go home. It's too crowded. We can't go there. We can't go there. Obstacle. But they did not let that obstacle stop them from... Now, thank God they had four friends. He had four friends that really cared about him. Amen? It's good to have friends like that. They said, man, if we can just get you to Jesus... Now, it says they sought means. In other words, they sat down and said, there has to be a way that we can get to Jesus. They didn't just give up at first glance. They didn't just give up when the pressure was on. It's too crowded. You can't go down there. You can't get in there. Amen? Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember one time many, many years ago, this is over probably 25 years ago, uh, there was a, a Benny Hinn meeting at uh, the... Civic, old Civic Arena. He was having a healing meeting on Good Friday. And uh, I actually went down by myself. I'm not sure how that worked out, but I ended up going there by myself. And when I got there, it was so crowded. Oh my gosh, it was so crowded. I couldn't even get in the door. Matter of fact, they had closed the doors because it was so full. Well, I felt like the Lord wanted me to get down there. You know? And so, 
the natural thing was, a thought kept coming to my mind and says, well, it's too late. You've got here too late. You have to go home. There's no way. They're, they're closed the main doors. They're not letting you in. Correct? From the natural. Then I felt like, I felt like the Lord wanted me to go to that service. This is like 25 years ago. You were there. Okay. And um, so I thought, hmm, obstacle. <laughs> so I just, I just felt led to start walking around the Civic Arena, the old stadium there. I felt led to just, just praying in the Holy Ghost, just walking around. And all of a sudden, one of these, not the main door, one of these side doors that doesn't have a, a door handle, to, it's, people can come out, but you can't go in. All of a sudden, this door busted open, and this worker from the Civic Arena came out. I don't know if it was an angel or what. He goes, Do you, are you coming for this? Do you want to come to this meeting? I said, yeah. He goes, follow me. And he's one of the ushers or something. I don't know what he was, but he was some, someone in authority there. He said, follow me. He took me down there and put me up front. Okay? It was that close. I was up front. And in the front section, I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. Only you could have done this. Okay? But, but when I got there, I mean, the power of God was flowing in that place. Man, back in those days, God was healing so many people through that ministry, you know? And, uh, um, and I, just, I just felt like the Lord wanted me. That was the only meaning of His I've ever been in. Okay, but I felt like God wanted me to go to that service. Okay, that, that uh, um, Good Friday service. You all were there, you said, huh? Okay. Wasn't that powerful? The worship was just through the roof. Oh, my goodness, you know. And I thought immediately of this, this story here because I thought, well, you know, I got here too late. Actually, it really wasn't late. It's just people got there early. People were waiting in line for hours. There was buses from all over the place there. They bus people in, you know, from all over the tri-state area. But here I, I got there and I said, it's too late. I, didn't, I, did, I just didn't know. I thought you just go and you go in. All the main doors were closed. And so I started walking around. It takes a while to walk around that building. And I walked around that door, bust wide open. and said, hey, do you want to come to the meeting? I said, sure. He said, follow me. He had his uniform on all that. He takes me down front and sits me there, you know, and people were looking at me, how did that ever happen? You know what I'm saying? But uh, my point being is this. I could have gave up real easy and said, well, it's, it's too crowded. I can't do this. That I got a special blessing when I, when I went there, I can tell you that. So, notice here, it says, uh, verse 18, And behold, men brought, a bed, uh, brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in, to lay him before him. And when they could not find a way by, they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up onto the rooftop, and they led him down through the, the toweling which with a couch in the midst of Jesus. Now stop and think about this. The audacity to do this because of an obstacle. Because of an obstacle. Okay? Did you ever go to go do something for God? You want to spend time with the Lord or something like this? And then all of a sudden the first thing in the day there's some kind of obstacle that comes up. Don't let that throw you. Okay? Don't let that throw you. It could be any... Anything. From the dog messing on the carpet, I had that happen a few times. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> Amen. I wanted to come down and start praying this morning. I've got to deal with this. I'm, it could be anything. You understand what I mean? Uh, something that try to inconvenience you. But they sought means. In other words, they sat down. They said, there's got to be a way that we can get into where the Jesus is ministering. There has to be a way. Someone had the, the idea, which I believe came from the Lord, said, there's nobody on the roof. Now, here's probably where you get your very first skylight. I like houses with skylights, don't you? But they, Jesus, Jesus is ministering in the house. They said, the only way we can get to him is let's start tearing the roof up. Now, that took faith because that wasn't their house to begin with, right? So, they're up there pulling off. And probably that stopped the meeting that was going on there. And all of a sudden, you start seeing daylight. Because it's real sunny in that part of the world, right? And sunlight starts coming through. Debris starts falling on people's hair and their heads and so forth, you know. And they just didn't give up. They started ripping the roof apart, you know. And if, folks, it even took faith for the guy that was crippled for them to say, we're going to bring you up on the rooftop. He said, I'm already crippled. You know, I want something worse happening here. What if you drop me? <laughs> I 
Well, they didn't let that stop them. These are real people. Real problems, real sickness, real situations, real obstacles. But they didn't let that stop them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just because, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, just because you have an obstacle, just because you have something that looks like it's hindering you, doesn't mean that God's not in it. Okay? You're going to have adversity. You're going to have obstacles. Demons will try to throw up all kinds of smoke screens to make you, you know, cast away your, don't even try to do this. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? If they would have gave up, their friend wouldn't have been healed. He probably would have died in that condition. But look at the response here. This is pretty amazing here. We know that they took off the roof, you know, and they lowered him before Jesus. Look at verse 20. And when he, that's Jesus, saw their faith, he said unto the man, unto him, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, wait a minute. I thought he came for healing. He did. But see, Jesus is addressing something even to the root. He says, look, your sins are forgiven thee. And verse 25, or 21 says, The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, they didn't even believe that He was God. They didn't, the Pharisees didn't believe that. But Jesus perceived their thoughts, and He answered and said unto them, Why reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say... Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up where he laid upon his bed, and he departed out of the house, glorifying God. Now notice the phrase here in verse 23. Which is easier? Weather is easier. Say easier. What's difficult, actually what's impossible for man is easy for God. Remember Jesus said, my yoke is what? Easy. And my burden is light. He says, what's easier, to forgive sins or heal somebody? Well, the answer to that is, it's both easy for God. It's both easy. Does anybody here have a problem receiving forgiveness from the Lord? If you, need, if you messed up, you know, and you ask God to forgive you, do you have any problem believing He'll forgive you? Right? Anybody here? If you messed up in any way and you sinned, and you said, Father, forgive me, do you have confidence that He will forgive you? Okay. So, He did the hard part. He shed His blood You have the easy part. You just receive it. Are you with me? You just receive it. You don't have to heal yourself. Jesus already healed you. Your job is just to receive it. Amen? That's what Brother Dan was ministering last week after the service with some of the new families that came here. And we were were talking with somebody and they were talking about how uh, he mentioned that uh, to receive healing, you have to first realize the healer lives inside you. Amen? Isn't that just the essence of what we were talking about? To realize, it's easy to receive healing when you realize the healer lives already inside you. You're not, he's not over there and you're over here somewhere. He's inside you. The healer lives in you. The deliverer lives on the inside of you. Apart from that, it becomes difficult. I can't, get forgiveness for myself through my own efforts. I can't do it. But I can receive forgiveness. I can't heal myself. I've never healed myself. But I've received healing from Him. He had the hard part. We have the easy part. He did the hard part for us. Our job is just to receive that. A lot of times I'll just say, as we wrap this up here today, I'll say out loud, for my sake, I'll say, I am a good receiver. I'm a good receiver. I'm a good, say it, I'm a good receiver. I'm an excellent receiver. 
When you say that about yourself, it opens up the heavens, it opens up your spirit, it opens up your spirit man and your mind and all that's within you to say, I want this. I'm a good receiver. I'm a good receiver. When I, um, I was referring to different meetings that God has led us to go to through the years, and we'll do that even this year, different meetings we get into, that when we, before we even go to those services, before we go to those meetings, for example, Brother Kenneth Copeland, if we go sit under his anointing, I love his anointing. Uh, and we used to do this with Brother Hagin when he was alive, okay, and go to his meetings. We would make a demand on the anointing before we ever got there. Maybe driving on the highway somewhere or in the airplane somewhere or at home. We, would just, we wouldn't just show up physically and say, okay, we're just going to go plop on the seats. We're going to go get in this meeting. We would make a demand because we were taught to do so, to put a demand on the anointing that's on the inside of that man or that woman. Okay? And every time that we would do that, we make a demand we make a demand on the anointing of God that what we need to hear and what we need to receive, we are going to hear it. We are going to receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And every single time, almost every time, I remember Kenneth Hagin when he was, he was uh, you know, doing the Holy Ghost meetings and stuff. There are times, and you never, there's an auditorium of thousands of people, thousands of people. And he would come down, he'd come off the stage, come off the platform, he'd come over, and sometimes he would stand, I'm sitting right here, I'm, right, I'm like, I could reach out and touch him. He'd come down and stand, he'd walk around, you know, and he's led by the Holy Ghost, and he would come over and stand there. Sometimes he'd put his hands on your shoulders, you know, <laughs> and uh, that'll, get your, that'll wake you up right there, amen. And he said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel... He said, you mind if I take a little side journey here, you know, a little rabbit trail? He would start talking about something. I'm, I'm thinking, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Amen? I had a certain question. I needed counsel on something. I needed direction on something. And uh, let me tell you something. He came down. And uh, now that wasn't spectacular. But let me tell you something. It was supernatural. He probably didn't even know what he was doing. I mean... He was being led by the Spirit, but he had no idea he was standing there just for me. Amen? Well, a few years ago, <laughs> we were in, a, in a, the Washington, D.C. meeting where Brother Copeland was down there. And, uh, and the, the, they've been so gracious, the people there, they'll put us on the front row up there and stuff. We never asked for that. It's just something that God has done for us. You know what I mean? We never pushed for that, never asked for that, but God just worked it out. And they had, to, they had my whole family situated on the one side of the auditorium, you know. And, uh, you know, there's me, Lynn, there's Josh and Kelly. Okay, we're on the front row. And um, Brother Kenneth comes down off. Of course, he runs around. I mean, you know him. He's, he can't stand still. He's preaching around. He comes over, and he starts talking about Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Ghost fell upon them. The Holy Ghost sat upon them. Remember that? And they spoke with tongues. He goes over. I never saw him do this before, ever. Here's Joshua on the end of the road. He goes over and he sits down on Joshua's lap in front of thousands of people, 5,000 people. He sits on his lap, put his arm around him. He said, the Holy Ghost sat upon them. Okay? His face was beat red. You should have seen his face. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, but let me tell you something. I had been in a lot of, me a lot of his meetings. I never saw him do that ever before. That's the last time, the first time I ever saw him do that. But after he got up, it was like, whoa, did you receive that? Hallelujah. The prophet of God came down and sat as an example on my son. Praise the Lord. And people were looking around like, well, you're so blessed you got that happen to you, you know. But, but see, here's the thing. It starts back in the, in the hometown where we said, Lord, we are going, we are hungry. We are, in other words, we are determined to receive. We're going. Now, that totally surprised us, shocked us. We had no idea that was even going to happen. Amen? My, uh, last example I'll give you here. I remember when I was going to, to Rainbow Bible Training Center, and I was in Bible college, okay, 1982. And I was engaged to my wife at the time. We weren't married yet. No, and this is in 81. I'm sorry. This is 1981. And uh, 
we had talked a lot and so forth, and she felt like a call to the mission field. Okay? I didn't feel a call to the mission field. I felt called to be a pastor. So I was a little bit, I was a little bit upset about this from the natural. I'm thinking, all right, we're, we're going to get married, but she feels called to the mission field. I feel called to be a pastor. How's this going to mix? You know, how's this going to work out? Because I know God brought us together. And I'm, 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 in, I'm distraught about this, okay? I'm t- 21 years old. I'm distraught about this, you know? And I said, God, you're going to have to help me with this. Well, I am in this class, and there, there's a teacher. His name is Tom Pickens. He was Fred Price's associate pastor for years. And uh, if you've ever heard of Fred Price before in California, Ever Increasing Faith Ministries. And, uh, and I'd never, ever seen, his name was Tom Pickens. He was one of the teachers in one of the classes I had in the, in the major RCA, the big auditorium. And I'll conclude with this, okay? Now, I'm really distraught about this because I'm thinking, she feels called to the mission field. I feel called to be a pastor. How's this going to work out? Now, this guy had never done this before. I'd never seen him. This stage is probably this from the ground to the top of the stage is like this high. It's really high. He came. He was in the middle of teaching the class, all right? Now, you have to understand, this is not your typical college class here. These are, these are spirit-filled, spirit-led ministers in the Bible school I was going to at Rama that would, you never knew what they were going to do. Amen? He comes running off the stage, comes down and stands right in front of me. Of 500 people in this auditorium stands right in front of me, and he addresses that very thing that I had just been questioning about, you know, she feels called to the mission field. He supernaturally addressed that. He didn't even know what he was doing, how that God was going to mix the two together. Okay? And then he ran back up on the stage and finished his lesson. Okay? I probably have that on tape at home somewhere. But I'm telling you, it brought such comfort and such peace to me. Amen? Supernatural comfort and peace to me. Like you, you have no idea. It It wasn't spectacular. Let me tell you something. It was supernatural. It was supernatural. Now, why am I saying that? Because... When you become determined, you have that bulldog tenacity to say, when I come to church, when I come to this church, I'm coming thirsty, I'm coming hungry. You never know what God's going to pull out of me. Now, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I'm not saying I'm something. We're not. In the natural, we're nothing. Okay? I'm nothing in the natural. But Paul, like Paul said, I I magnify my office in which I stand. And you don't know what type of anointings can come out in this place when you come. Now, I'm not saying this if you're not doing this, okay? Please understand my heart, okay? But I can, be, I can become more determined. I'm thirsty, but I want to become more thirsty. I'm hungry, but I want to become more hungry. I'm determined, but I want to become more determined in t- 2018. Bless God, I'm coming. I'm going to receive. When I show up for church today, pastor's going to say something that's going to just... Praise the Lord. That's what I need. Glory to God. But it's the gift of God that's going to come to you when you make a demand and you become absolutely determined. Praise God. You become determined. If you back up a a couple years before that, I was really wrestling with the call of God in my life, you know, and I didn't, you know, I thought, who am I to be? I felt like God was talking to me about going in the ministry, okay? This is back in like 1980. And um, <laughs> I won't go into much detail, but I was in a service. Somebody asked me to come to this meeting. It was, uh, his name was Bob Buse Ministries, Sweeter Than Honey Ministries. And uh, he, Bob's in heaven now. But um, somebody that I knew if was part of my church invited me to come to this meeting. He says, you've got, you got to come out and hear this guy. He's, he's from Texas. And uh, big, tall, long-legged Texan guy, preached the Word of God, real southern accent, you know. I had never heard of him before. Now, I had been really wrestling about, Lord, I'm going to make sure, if you're calling me, I'll, I'll do it. But I, you know, I just, I had all these self-doubts about whether I was called to the ministry or not. Because I couldn't give speech classes. I couldn't even talk in public. That was one of my biggest fears, was talking in front of people, to be honest with you. It was huge. I failed speech class in high school. I'm not proud of it, but I, I just made a mess of myself. 
You know what I mean? Now, maybe that wasn't your fear, but I, the devil put that on me, you know? So here I am. I felt God was dealing with me about going to the ministry, but I had all these doubts. And I'm sitting in this meeting. I came in. We got there late. They put us on the, on the second row. I remember that my friend and I were packed, this little auditorium, this little tiny church. And he got up there, and I'll tell you, I never saw so many miracles taking place. People were just dragging people, neighbors and friends, coming to church, just bringing them with them. Amen? We're getting back to that. We're getting back to that. We're going to start bringing people in. Amen? Start bringing people in, glory to God, by the power of God. He, he preached, and I'm telling you, there was people with their teeth being healed. I was people were jumping up and saying they were healed right in this little service. I was like, wow, I'd never seen this before. As he ministered the Word of God towards the end of the service, I had a strange feeling, not, not, not in a weird way, but I thought something's going to happen here, and I feel like I'm part of it here, you know, and I just could just feel it, you know what I'm saying? And... Uh, and he, I just remember, I'm looking up at him sitting in the second row. He looks down at me. He said, son, let me tell you something. God has a call in your life, and you're to go get training. And he goes, you're going to meet. This is before I met my wife, okay? He goes, God's going God's to see to it that you're going to have the right mate and so forth. Now, he didn't know me from Adam. He didn't know me. I never met him before. And he said, God's called you. You're to go get training. And I would already applied to Rainbow Bible Training Center at that time. Okay, and God supernaturally brought those things together. Praise God. Now, I wasn't even planning on saying all that, but I think the reason I believe God is having me say this is because it's time to get more determined this year. Are you with me now? It's time to not give up. It's not time to quit. It's not time to be wimpy. It's not time to be a wuss. <laughs> Are you with me? You, everybody understand that? We're going to become determined. I'm going to become more hungry and more thirsty than I've ever become before on purpose to receive everything that God has for us. Praise God. Let's just thank the Lord right now. We worship you, Father. We worship you right now, Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You got something. Mensa kukum brosus redina hala krisefe sukumama jalam broke de deshe toromananda. How long will you struggle with the flesh, saith the Lord? Will you push through the veil of the flesh? Yes. And you make your move towards me? Yes. For you see, the flesh is an obstacle. The flesh is the thing that stands between you and me, saith the Lord. Yes. It's the veil that has to be rent and brought to naught. For you see, as you draw nigh unto me, I'm open unto you. But you're constantly warring with the flesh. My servant Paul said he crucified his flesh daily. He beat it. He, he yes. put it under his feet. Yes. He did not allow those things in the flesh to hinder him to press through to the high calling which he was called. The same is with you, saith the Lord. But when you have the understanding of it, it makes it easier to crucify the flesh, to yes. bring it under, bring it under to the inward man who's crying out for yes. more revelation and yes. more of me, saith the Lord. Yes. So be obedient. Be of an understanding that that's what you're contending with. 
And so shall you find more liberty in the things of the Spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we receive that right now. We receive that right now. Praise God. Praise God. Now turn me up a little bit there. Turn this up. Oh, there we go. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now let me ask you something, Brother Dan. Have you ever had resistance to speak that up? All the time, right? You just had it a few minutes ago. There's, there's resistance to say, don't do this or whatever, you know. But you step beyond that, beyond that comfort, that zone, and you speak out. As a result, we're just got blessed by that. Amen? We just got blessed by that tongue, that interpretation of tongue. Amen? 